G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. Where it began was um, as I got older in my teenage years, um, my coldness grew and also I started looking for other things. Uh, And I think the turning point for me was going, okay, this Christian thing I'm doing okay because I'm ticking all the boxes. But there was this vacuum still being built in my heart. Because getting all the ticking is not enough. You want to do more. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story where today we'll be hearing about a slow descent into more and more darkness until finally the light shines through. Shabu John grew up in a Christian home in Melbourne and thought of himself as a very religious person. However, even though he obeyed all the rules, his heart grew colder and colder until he eventually became enslaved in an addiction. We'll hear his journey to freedom today on The Story. And parents, due to the adult themes being discussed you might want to have your children involved in an activity in another room while you listen to today's program. Shibu John is chatting with Eric Scadabo along with their mutual friend, Peter Menhennet. Peter, a few years ago, you and I were serving together at the same ministry as our guest today. Yeah, I think he's following us around, you know. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) And actually... Speaking of following us around, now he works just across the car park from the studio here. In the local church. That's right. Canterbury Gardens Community Church is where he is one of the pastors there. Welcome to the program, Shabu John. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you guys. Just had to walk a long way to get here. Yeah, so, I, I hope this wasn't too far out of your way. No, to get here no. It's today. a long walk up the driveway. So, as we mentioned, we were in ministry together. Yep. You, you were involved with student ministry, yep. university-age students. Yes, that's right. So, for about five years, my wife and I were involved with a, a campus ministry here in Melbourne. Okay, and so that's when we met you. So, you're a mature Christian helping out university-aged people, helping them grow in their faith in the Lord and all that. So, mm-hmm. I guess there's a tendency when you meet somebody who's a mature Christian has passion for serving the Lord. Yep. There's just a tendency to assume, well, you know, you must have always been that way. You must have come from a, a strong Christian home and yep. had no problems, clear sailing. Just been, you know, always been mature in the Lord. Yep. Uh, was that the case for you? Oh, definitely. I was probably the perfect person you've ever met in the world. Okay, uh, well, that's pretty much the end of the yeah, conversation. That's there's right. nothing more to yeah. talk about. <laughs> but now, now the truth comes out. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, so no, but but seriously, there have been some very dark parts of your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, my journey and story is probably a story about really constantly on a, a desire to fill in something, fill in something deep in my soul. and Something was missing. Something was definitely missing. Uh, and uh, one time I told a friend, it's like there's a vacuum and I'm trying to fill this vacuum with many things in my life. Now, the irony is, externally, if somebody looked at you from the outside, you look like the good Christian kid. That's correct, yeah. I was that poster boy kid from a very young age. So I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my family were people who loved uh, who God is and who Jesus is, they believed in that. So from day one, I knew all of those stories. And 
when we lived in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's back up here. Okay. And, well, let's back up even further than sure, that. Sure, sure. Because normally we say, well, where were you born? Uh-huh. But I want to back up even further than that. Uh-huh. Where were your parents born? Obviously, your name's Shabu. We can tell that. Yes. That's not a common name here in Australia. Peter, how many Shabus do you know? One. This one. So let's back up to your parents growing up in India, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so my parents uh, come from a particular part of India called Kerala. It's the southern part of India. Mm-hmm. And uh, they live there, were born there. Um, but my great-grandparents are the ones who first came to understand the Christian faith through some missionaries that were there, came from England. And both of them responded to the good news of Jesus um, in, in their own separate lives. Um, and... What happened was in those days they had arranged marriages. Two families met together. My mum and dad were arranged to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, they married, and and after they got married, dad worked in the Middle East, uh, and that's where most of my life, my early days, that's where I was born. I still remember going to places where you had clear water streamings out of the desert. Um, oh wow! That you could drink straight from. And really? Yeah, and just... Oh, well, you can't do that in too many places. No, <laughs> no, that's right. Not yep. today. Yeah. All right, and then you moved to Melbourne when you were 10 years old? Yeah, so um, coming here, like, we transitioned well. Um, my dad was fairly... It was a huge thing for him. He was involved in banking, sacrificed a lot to get this simple job in the university, and I just went to school. Um, came home, went to church on Sundays. Good Christian kid. Good Christian kid. And I even remember one of them is growing up, my parents were so wanting me to know this Christian faith. Um, most kids during school holidays would be out playing in the backyard or doing things. My mum used to make me memorize Bible passages. And oh, okay. I, and I memorized these Bible passages and I thought, yes, I'm being a good Christian. But what was going on was I, I just really played a part, really, as I reflect back on my life. And there's a Bible verse that kind of talks about what was happening in your life? Yeah, so um, when I look back on my life, um, there's a wonderful story about how Jesus talks about different seeds. Mm-hmm. Some are planted on fertile soil yeah, and grow and everything. That, that's right. So some, some are planted on particular types of ground. Uh, but the one that really resonates with me is the one where talks about one was planted on the ground, but as it grew up, weeds and things choked it. The concerns it up. of this world. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he, choked it. That's right. He later goes to explain that it's about the concerns and the things of this world uh, choking it up. And for me, that, that turning point was really um, in high school. I knew all the religious things, did all the religious things. I was that kid that was telling people what they're doing wrong uh, during... Oh, we just love those kind of kids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was that, yeah. The kind of self-righteous. Very much so. Pointing out people, their sins. Yes, that's right. Um, and how you were goody-goody and you never did those bad things. That's correct. Yeah, that's what I assumed or tried. I hit it really well. Mm-hmm. So, But some of those weeds were getting ready to deceive you at that point oh, very and much take so. you in another direction. Yes, that's right. And it, where it began was, um, as I got older in my teenage years, um, my coldness grew and also, I started looking for other things. Uh, and I think the turning point for me was going, okay, this Christian thing, I'm doing okay because I'm ticking all the boxes. Mm-hmm. But there was this vacuum still being built in my heart. Um, because rules are never going to fill your that's heart. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just getting all the ticking is not enough. You yeah, feel like you, yeah, you want to do more. And it was during that time, you know, hitting the teenage years, uh, I started thinking about sex and sexuality and. Now the um, hormones are kicking in. Yeah, it's all kicking in. Um, and we, we should say before we go any further, 
that some of this conversation is not going to be appropriate for younger listeners. Just we're going to have we're going to have a frank yeah. conversation. Yeah. Here, yep. So we just want to let parents know that before we continue. Yeah, and it was during that time. Uh, I still remember to this day. A, a friend of mine was. We were all hanging out, and he took me to one of his friends' house, and uh, we were just in his room, just you know, sitting there. And I turned around, and there was this pile of magazines. And I thought, huh, those are interesting pictures of naked women. And so I grabbed it, uh, and I had a look on it, and that was it. Uh, it just opened up a world to me that I wasn't aware of, mm. didn't know. And now I started pursuing it pretty hard um, every day. Uh, it became, looking back now, it was an addiction. Hmm. Uh, but it's very interesting how the devil works that on the one hand, we can be thinking, oh, man, I am so good. I am yep. really obeying the, the rules yep. and ticking the boxes. And that's right when he can get you tempted and lure you into a trap. Yep, that's hmm. right. And it's a dreadful trap because when you're involved in that area, mm. pornography, mm. you can justify it to yourself mm -hmm. by saying, I don't slur my words, mm -hmm. I can walk in a straight line. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not a I, drug addict. I don't have needle marks on mm -hmm. my arms. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Yep. That's and right. it's an absolute trap. Yep. And it. you're not the only one to have been mm. sucked in by it. Mm. Thousands of men are. Yeah. We should say, Peter, you've been involved with men's ministry uh, yes. for several years and small groups talking, yes. journeying and with men going through sexual yeah, addiction. Sexual addiction, and it can do dreadful things mm. to people's lives. It can destroy them mm -hmm. and lead them in, down even worse paths mm. as they try to fill that vacuum in their heart. Mm. But we know there's a better way to fill that vacuum. Yeah, you meant that. And yeah, we're, we're going to get to that better way, but unfortunately... There's more to the story that we need to share about what happened next in your life. Yeah, so um, and so we're heading towards the end of my high school time by this time. Mm -hmm. So I was, yep. you know, addicted to that. Um, I was also got myself a job at a video game store in high school, and so yeah, that that was all happening. Um, and and so my relationship with God was minimal, if anything, really, except on Sundays. Where so was, there might have been just a bit of a flicker before, but now it's just getting cold. Yeah, yeah very mm -hmm. cold uh, and very religious still. So on Sundays, played the part during the week, not really. Uh, even going to a Christian school, I played the part there, but mm -hmm. my addiction was um, I was trying to hide it from everyone and anyone. Uh, every so often I'd talk about it, but not, not to really wanting to, to bring healing from it. So I hit end of high school, um, and that idea of that vacuum, so, you know, this addiction's there, I'm trying to fill it up because God's not there anymore, or didn't feel like he was. I thought, okay, but I want more. And that's where I thought, okay, I'll finish high school, I'll work in this workplace. And it was during this workplace that I met a lot of people who had never been to church, don't know who Jesus is or anything about Jesus. Uh, it was at that time I also discovered this wonderful world called the rave scene in Melbourne. Um, and what is that? Yeah, great question. So the rave scene in Melbourne was just a, um, these dance parties. So if you can imagine a big warehouse uh, with lots of bright lights, lots of speakers and very loud music. And and, I, and this is very attractive to teenagers, well, right now. Yeah, that's hmm. right. They just want to drop everything and get into that dance scene. Yeah, so, definitely. Lots of people off their faces. Yeah, and it was it was a world that that I had never been or exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I went there, it was like this moment of discovering something 
all these people seem really happy, whether if they were assisted happiness through different <laughs> various drugs that they took, um, or there was a sense of them wanting something. They were all happy, um, but the music that the music would create the happiness into them. And I looked, and my work was getting a little bit boring because I thought I'd be a career person, make money. That wasn't enough. And I saw this guy up on a stage, and he was had headphones, uh, very similar to yours, and he had them on, and he's playing. He had records going, and and as he was playing, people were screaming and dancing. And I thought to myself, "That's what I want. That's what I want to be. That will fill up the void. That will fill yeah. up the void. That okay, the work's not happening." The church stuff, you know, I'm done with that. Let's try this DJ thing. And so I, I threw myself into the world. So went to dance parties. Uh, at that time, I thought, no, I'm scared to take drugs because I know that's bad because mm-hmm. of my religious background. And also I was scared if something happened to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I didn't touch it, um, but I was happy to go to the parties and and dance and buy records and try to do DJing at home, which I could do. But if I got asked to do some sort of DJing thing at outside home, at a friend's house or something, mm-hmm. uh, it was like this moment where my ears could not pick up the beats. and Which I, is not a good thing if you're <laughs> supposed to be matching the mm. beats. Yeah, it just, I'm a terrible DJ. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, but I, on reflection, I know that was God saying that's not what I have for you. You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Shabu John share his life journey, which unfortunately descends into more and more darkness. Next we'll hear about his life eventually turning around after reaching rock bottom. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shabu John sharing about his life journey. He's chatting with mutual friends Eric Scadabo and Peter Menhennet about his slow descent into addiction and darkness. But that's not how the story ends. Here's Shabu sharing what happened next in his life. Um, yeah, so I, I worked, DJ, uh, trying to DJ, I was bad at it. Um, and then next thing you know, a friend of mine introduced me to marijuana. And I thought, oh, that's okay. It's once in a while. And yeah, that was this world I started getting into. And anything to do with church and God, I just completely pushed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not involved or interested at all. Um, it was not far from that where the DJ thing I got frustrated with because I wasn't, it wasn't filling that void. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll work, make money uh, as well, and DJ. So not the work thing wasn't working either all this void everything that i wanted to fill my life up wasn't satisfying uh and it was at that point um i met a guy who was djing in one of the clubs that um i was visiting and he introduced me to a world called nightclub promotions and then that introduced me to the scene of another drug scene of cocaine and um, oh wow yeah and in that world i started taking cocaine and partying and being clubbing and but all of this stuff was really unraveling my life and this messy sort of 
world I was in, I was, you know, I had this porn addiction going on. This, all these things were all mm-hmm. melting into, you know, that picture that Jesus talks about, weeds tangling. Mm-hmm. That was my world. Um, yeah. And the weeds were choking the life out of you. That's correct. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was in this moment where I, I thought, okay, um, I'm not getting a girlfriend or anything. So I just started to visit different brothels uh, at that time as well. It was that feeling of addiction mm. escalated. It's yeah. like with anything, yeah. started in marijuana, escalated. To but cocaine. it's not satisfying, so you need more. Yeah, mm. it was mm. an escalation of trying to fill this void. Mm. You need a bigger buzz. Yeah. But unfortunately, it can end in an explosion rather than a buzz. Yeah, that's right. So that was the world, um, but it was well hidden in the sense my parents had no idea. Uh, they knew that I was getting up to, you know, you know, smoking cigarettes and maybe drinking, but they didn't know the world I was mm. living in. Mm. And it was a, a world of lies, so I, I would lie to everyone and anyone just to get what I wanted. Uh, even the relationships I had at that time with the opposite sex in particular was all about me. I would lie to them and it, it was messy. Uh, and that void started just entangling, growing, and the darkness started growing as well. Okay. Yeah. How did you turn the corner? Well, I should say, how did God help you turn the corner? Yeah, so it was an interesting way of doing it because as this was all happening and the messiness was going on, um, the life of lying and stealing and lying to my friends, even who didn't know Jesus, hit a brick wall. Uh, a friend of mine who had no idea who Jesus is found out about these lies that I was doing and uh, he basically confronted me uh, at a friend's house and I sat down with him and I thought, oh no, this is it. It's all over. He's going to tell me, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're all done. It's going to get out to everybody else. And uh, he turned around to me and said, what do you think I should do? And I said to him, well, I think I totally understand if you don't want to be my friend anymore. I get it. Um, And he turned around to you and goes, I'm choosing to forgive you even though you've hurt me. Now, for someone who's grown up fairly religious, that story was very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it just hit me. Like, it was like a a brick wall. And... um, Forgiveness in action in your life. That's right. Yeah. And up close and personal. Very close and personal, someone who's not religious. Um, it was at that moment I thought to myself, okay, I know this story. I know where this is heading. Um, so after he'd, you know, after he'd done that, I, I remember him saying, you need to talk to your parents about this. So we sat in my lounge room, my parents. Um, he told my parents, you know, Shabu has something to tell you. And I told him exactly what I was doing in my life, including all the lies and stealing and hurting people and all this kind of messiness. And um, my parents' response was, okay, we're glad it's out, so we need you to start meeting with our pastor um, from this church that I grew up in. And I'm like, not interested in any of this God stuff. <laughs> I know where this, I'm not interested. But I think God warmed my heart to the idea. And I said, okay. So I, I decided to meet with this pastor. And what he did was he sat with me and he said, I just want you to get to know who this Jesus is. And so read one of the Gospels together and it started thinking and stirring something in me that I was, it was a familiar story, but it was like a a fresh look at Mm. it. But yet I had this like two worlds, one world of my clubbing and, you know, but there was a different light now. I was free from all the lies. And so 
uh, you know, I wanted to still be in that world, but there was this other reality that was calling me and drawing me. Yeah, I was curious to know what was new this time. Yeah, I think that the difference was he, he didn't tell me what I should read or do. He just said to me, spend time reading at that time was the Gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he told me just to read it and ask questions of who Jesus is and who he talks about, uh, about himself. And with a shadow of doubt, it was the first time I started going, actually, I know the story, but I'm seeing Jesus as the only thing that can really fill this vacuum and void. Yet I didn't want to because I had this world that I knew was my clubbing scene. Mm. I was, I was, you know, I, that was my identification. But uh, so the uh, the dramatic turning point was as I was wrestling with this truth of who Jesus is. I remember going to a clubbing night, came home pretty early uh, to a friend's house, lying on the couch, and as I closed my eyes, it was dark. I felt this presence in the room and. Let's just say it wasn't a nice presence. Mm. Uh, it was a pretty dark kind of feeling. And my first reaction was, Jesus, forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then I heard a growl, and then there was peace that just filled my heart. And I fell down on my side of my bed, I knelt down, and I cried out to Jesus and said, please forgive me, please be uh, my God, be be my Lord, you you." You're in charge. You're the only ones that can fill this vacuum. Mm. Um, so please take over, uh, but please don't let me go. That was my other prayer. Um, so there, yeah, that began. That that was the turning point. That was the journey. Uh, that was when the light came in to yeah. start destroying the darkness yeah. that had been in your life. Yeah, yeah. That was the turning point for me. Um, yeah, and I think though from there, I, the addiction didn't stop. No, not just instantly. Yeah, that's right. So that's another whole journey. That's a whole journey, yeah. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, yep. but fast forwarding, you become a pastor. <laughs> so there's a whole lot that comes well, in between I, there. I think if you fast forward, I think even in all of that, the thing that keeps on coming back to me to the, this day is that being a Christian doesn't mean that you have got it together. Mm. Uh, being a Christian ultimately is you are a beautiful mess. And it's a, a good beautiful th- mess. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's it's a good a, way of putting it. It's a good thing, um, but Jesus is the one who's very good at fixing messes, like He's done with my Amen. life. Mm. Amen. Uh, and yeah. to this day, I'm realizing I still need Him. Uh, I still have all my temptations that might tempt me. But what I'm realizing, the vacuum, is that Jesus is the only one that can truly, truly, utterly satisfy. That's right. Um, and that's what I'm discovering every day. And you're now a husband and a father yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world, um, and uh, we were married 10 years just last week. And Congratulations. Yeah, that was well done. Yeah. She is a gorgeous girl. We both <laughs> we both know her yeah. from our previous and, ministry. And that's a testimony that God's very gracious <laughs> to give her. <laughs> Isn't give he? Her, yeah, that's right, to give her, give her to someone like me. And then uh, yeah, we were very blessed with three beautiful kids. Thank you so much for sharing so honestly what you've gone through, because mm-hmm. I think so many people, including myself and others, can learn from yep. the cautionary tale that was your story. Yeah, thank you for giving me the time. It's a great privilege, um, and you know, I hope this helps people to know you can just be real with Jesus in whatever season of life you're in. That's right. Yeah, That's right. You're right there. Mm-hmm. Shabu John has been our guest today. Peter Manhennett, thanks for helping out with today's program. Pleasure indeed. 
And once again, our guest has been Shabu John, one of the pastors at Canterbury Gardens Community Church. That was Eric Scadabo and Peter Menhennet chatting with Shabu John. And what a remarkable story he has to tell. As we heard, he grew up in a good Christian home, obeyed all the rules, but his heart grew colder and colder toward the things of the Lord until he finally hit rock bottom. But now the Lord has a hold of his heart and he's serving him in a ministry and helping others grow as well. Fantastic news. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. And so they bring me into the game and the guy hits the ball back to the pitcher. I'm running towards second base. Second baseman gets the ball and just threw it straight through me. And it hit me right in the face from about a metre away. Double play coming up. There's the first one. And he threw it into the runner and hit Ramsden right in the face. He is hurt. John Ramsden had dreams of becoming a professional baseball player. But those dreams were shattered after a tragic incident during a game which ended his career. We'll hear how John's life takes one unexpected twist after another next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.